Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Crushed it last week. Can we give it up for Brendan on the trap of offense? Um, and now this week we have uh, we have Brendan's wife, Maddie Davila. And, and before she comes up, I just want to I want to speak into this for a bit. I remember Marky's in the back. Marky, shout out to you, bro. Marky's in the back, and, and back in the day we would do ASO soccer. And I remember we met this girl named Maddie. Marky already knew Maddie, and Maddie was like, she was scary. And I'll say scary in this way: we would play soccer with her, and and she would like run me over. I'm like, dang man, like we're just trying to practice and like hit the ball around. But like that is who she is. Right? And I say it in this way. She's, she's, she's on fire for God. Right? She, and we know, like, I've, I've known her in her BC days and my before Christ days. And it's so beautiful to see, like, what God can do with someone who says, you can have my heart. And so I, I, we honor you, Maddie. We're grateful for you. We're excited that you're going to come up here and preach as you're pregnant. Right? So that little baby can know the power and the wonder of God. So come on up, Maddie, as you preach. Can we give it up for Maddie? Thank you. Good morning, you guys. Um, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for showing up. It's a Sunday. It's so hot outside. And as Pastor Sam said, I'm pregnant, so it's 10 times worse for me. Um, But bear with me. So a few weeks ago, we actually went camping in Big Bear. And we were really excited because we thought we were going to beat that heat wave. And we were really excited. And Brendan and I get into the cabin first. And we walk in. And it's like this cloud of heat. And we were like, what in the world is going on? And so he's looking for like the air conditioning unit. And he's trying to find it. And then we see it's like reading like 80 degrees. And we realized, oh my gosh, he's calling somebody. And he's like, how do I turn the air on? in this place. They're like, it's Big Bear. That's the mountains. There's no air. And we're like, we have toddlers. This is awful. And it was just miserable. So we realized it's just a temperature gauge. Like there's nothing to benefit us right here. And it made me think, have you ever wondered the difference between just a thermometer and a thermostat? right? A thermometer reflects what's going on in the room. It tells you the temperature, how hot or cold it is. But a thermostat is a device that actually regulates, right? It fixes it. If it's too hot, it kicks the air on. If it's too cold, it kicks the heater on. So that's what regulates. And it kind of like sets the tone for the environment. And that's something that I want to talk to you guys about today. And it's my title is to set the tone. And Paul has a lot to say about this in the scriptures. So I'm going to pray really briefly. And then if you want to grab your Bibles, um, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for every single body that you've brought into this room. We pray that you would draw us closer and deeper, that we would know your word more coming out of today. Would it be your words, Father God, that I'm speaking, not my own? And would you just pierce our souls? And would you have a revival in our heart to know you deeper and to represent you better? We thank you and we give this day and all the glory to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. What? What? Oh, got it. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, what? There you go. Um, so I'm going to be in Philippians 1.27. If you want to open up your Bibles, that's in the New Testament, so towards the back. And Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And the reason this has been on my heart today is because when Paul writes his letters to the churches, he's, he's 
what do they need to hear, right? And I was thinking, and as I was praying about this, it was like, Lord, what do the Chinonians need to hear? What does Coin Church need to hear from you, God? And just the background, Paul's writing right to the church of Philippi during his Roman imprisonment. And he's writing out of a deep love. He's writing out of a deep concern. He wants them to know that you need to be living as a citizen of heaven. He wants them to know that your life is a service-driven life and that you need to grow in your commitment to God and your commitment to serving one another. And If you even know Paul, his whole life existed to be like a servant of God, right? He was literally in prison, and all he's worried about is not his own maybe feelings of abandonment and what he's going through. He's just worried about how is the church of Philippi? How are they doing? Are they acting right? What are they doing? And so that side note, that's even a lesson for us. When we're in our personal prison, when we feel abandoned, when we feel like we're locked up and we're not growing and we're not going anywhere, do we have the ability to encourage others the way Paul was doing? Do we have the like ability to speak life into other people and what they're going through because Paul is the primary example of that. It's not about us. It's about God. And even in our trials, it's about glorifying God. And I just love that. And so that's my encouragement for us today in our culture, in our church, that we would be able to set the tone for for our community, for our world. And so if you're taking notes, the first thing I want to highlight from the first part of that scripture is only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So the ancient Greek word translated conduct or manner means literally to live as a citizen. So Paul is encouraging the people of Philippi to live as good patriotic citizens of the kingdom of God. And so context, Philippi was a Roman colony and it was a military victory by Augustus Caesar. So Philippi actually, it was like an honor to be part of the Roman Empire, right? It was an honor to be under that citizenship, and they prided themselves on it. So despite living in Philippi, their citizenship was from Rome, right? And so that's how they acted. They dressed like them, they ate like them, they talked like them. Everything that they valued, that was the culture of the people of Philippi. They were impacted. And Paul's reminder here is, don't look to Caesar for your example, but look to Christ, because Christ is our king. And he reminded them that your citizenship is in heaven. Despite you living in Philippi, despite your citizenship being of Rome, no, your citizenship belongs to heaven. And in Philippians 3, 17, 20, it says, brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, Walk as enemies of the cross. Can you imagine, like, being known as an enemy of the cross? Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glorify in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So just like the Philippians, right, we live in Chino, or maybe live in Ontario, Chino Hall, Diamond Bar, all these surrounding areas, but our citizenship is in heaven. And Pastor Sam mentions all the time, right? We give up our rights as Americans, all of that, because we belong to a greater purpose and we belong to something so much better. So we have to remember, don't think like the people of Chino. Don't think like the culture of California. Don't let the culture inform your spending. Don't let the culture inform your dating based off what Hollywood says and what you should do. Don't let the culture inform your language, how you speak, how you talk. Don't let the culture inform your actions and what you do and what you think is cool and valuable. Don't even let them inform your spending, right? I'm working through that one. But (laughs) don't let them inform your spending because Christ is our model behavior, you guys. Not your favorite social media influencer, not the cute aesthetic Bible Instagram, even though the 
those are great. Not your podcast, not Erwin McManus, not even our pastors or our elders or the leadership at this church. They are not the example. Christ is the aim. Christ is the alpha and the omega. Christ is the perfecter of our faith. Christ is the pioneer of our life. And Christ is the one who sets the tone in every single part of our life that we need to be reminded to be looking at. Not the culture. Christ is the one who sets the tone. So when Paul says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, that should make us think like twice. Are our actions actually reflecting the gospel, right? Is what I'm doing is how I'm talking reflecting that I'm a citizen of heaven? Or does it say, oh, Maddie, you look like, like you're a citizen of Chino, right? What does it look like? And would Jesus be proud? Would he think that your actions are worthy of the gospel, Are you acting like that? If he were in the room, I always tell my sister, she works for um, the veteran hospital and she deals with really hard personalities. And I always tell her, I say, Stevie, when you're talking with these people who are frustrating, you know, and you want to like say what you want back, like if if the Lord were in the room, would he be proud of you? Would he be proud of your response? Would he be proud that you talked to, to his child like that? And imagine if that were him, right? The Lord says like, he who treats the least of these like sees me. So like we have to remember that every single person is a child of God and call ourselves more and ask like, would he be proud of us if he were in that room? Or would he say, don't call yourself a Christian because that's not me. That's not what I represent. And so even though we call ourselves Christians, right, little Christ, if you don't have that in your Instagram bio, if you don't have it as a cross on your arm or like Jesus saves, would anybody actually know that your life reflects Christ? If we didn't have to say, if we could say nothing, would people look at us and be like, that is a woman of God, that is a man of God, that is somebody who values loving, forgiving, grace, kindness. Would they say that? And I know this is, can come off as harsh, but this, the scripture is harsh and it's meant as a double-edged sword to pierce our souls. And as Pastor Sam said, the things that I always have on my heart is like, how can we grow? How can we get better? And Paul's the perfect example of like, just like he's calling the church of Philippi tomorrow and encouraging encouraging them, I want to encourage us as a church. Because later on in Philippians 1.27, after he says, are you living in a manner that's worthy of the gospel, he says, whether I come and see you or I'm absent, that I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So Paul wanted the Philippians to know like, hey, you're held accountable. I may be in prison, but I'm still checking on you. I still want to hear that you're standing firm because there was actually some dissension at the time. And that's why he's even mentioning that you need to be in one spirit and with one mind striving side by side. So he wanted them unified so that at the end of the day, the only thing that mattered, they can advance the gospel. They can be not just like telling the good news, but a representation of the good news to all people. Because we can say all we want, but our actions are going to dictate a completely different thing. So just as Paul says, whether I come and see you or I'm absent, whether our pastors are in the room or not, whether our small group and you're in the church or not, who are you when you leave these doors? Who are you when you're not around, right? You can talk to Pastor Sam all day about, oh, I'm so excited about this going on. But when I step out and I'm around my coworkers who don't believe in God, when I'm around my family who doesn't know the Lord, when I even get out with my girlfriends or your guy friends and you're playing basketball, right? Whether, whether our pastors or people who are there to hold you accountable are there or not, are you the same person in private as you are in public? Because just like Paul says, if I'm not there, you still need to be accountable. You should still be acting in this way. So Pastor Sam and Pastor Kel say all the time too, we're not just playing church on a Sunday. This is our life because church, we can't be Christians when it's convenient. We can't be Christians just because it it feels good and it's on a Sunday, but then the rest of our six days out of the week, we're just like, oh, I'm going to resort back to what I know. It's a life that we're called to, a heart posture to honor the Lord with our lives. 
And it brings me back to that orig original analogy that I have of, with the thermometer and the thermostat because I think that relates to people. And there are thermometers in the world, which are those who just reflect the room. They, they do whatever the room does, right? You walk in, they're drinking, sure, I'll have a drink. You walk in, they're cussing, sure, I don't mind using that language. You walk in, they're gossiping, I'm going to join in on it. Those are thermometers. They just reflect what's already happening in the room. And then there are thermostats, and you know these people. They're the ones who make you think twice about what you're saying. Pastor Sam and Pastor Kel are thermostats. You wouldn't talk maybe the way in front of them that you would with somebody else, right? Thermostats set the tone. They're people who make you second-guess your actions. They're the person that walks into a room, and the conversation changes. They're the person that walks into the room, and maybe they're going to call out the gossip that you're doing. And I want to encourage us, Paul's telling us to be the thermostats. Paul's telling us to be the ones that set the tone in the room. If the temperature's off, then change it. We're the ones that get to do that. And I just want to give you the example, too. I mean, Pastor Sam said it. I didn't grow up in the church, so he knows me, and a few of you may know me. And my husband, poor, he met me at 19. They know me pre-Jesus days, right? And I didn't grow up. I didn't know what that looked like, so I had a lot of mess. Like, I looked like everybody else, um, Everybody else knew how I talked. They know if I drank. They know if I cussed. They know if I gossiped. They knew how I acted and disrespected my family. All of those things, right? But they saw me at my worst behavior. Coming to present day, now being a disciple of Jesus, now giving God my heart, when I'm around that family, when I'm around those friends, when I'm around the people who know me still and maybe aren't following the Lord, I'm still called to live in a manner that's worthy of the gospel in Christ. And my wonderful husband preached last week on the trap of offense, right? But the importance of not causing a brother or a sister to stumble, not causing an offense in their way. So when I'm around those family members and those friends that know me and know exactly what I did, I have a choice. I can resort back to what I used to do, what was comfortable, right? How they really know me. Or I can choose to do what the scriptures say and to die to myself and to put off my old and to put on the new and say, no, I'm a different, I'm a new creation. I have a new identity in Christ and now I'm gonna set the tone. I may have done that before, but I'm not gonna do that anymore because the Lord calls me to more and the Lord calls me to be the salt and the light and I have to call myself to do that. And I don't... I don't say that boastfully, like my husband knows the Lord has taken me through that. Like it is not like, now I'm a thermostat and I'm great. No, he has called me out. Maddie, why do people feel com com comfortable coming and gossiping to you? Even venting, did you know that venting is considered gossip too? So why do people feel comfortable coming and telling you things, Maddie, and then it's a burden on you, but are you stopping it? And the, like, the Lord has had to do a deep work in me to teach me the things that I was still enabling and that I was being a thermometer to. And he had to teach me to say, no, you're going to be a thermostat. You're going to set the tone. And it's important because even with my family, we have, you know, two toddlers, one more on the way. Please be calm. <laughs> and I have the ability to set the tone in my family. When my family comes over, they know that we don't drink alcohol in my home. Don't bring it. They know you're not going to use that, like, foul language in my house and cuss around my boys, right? They know we don't watch certain shows. They know that we're not going to sit and gossip and do that talk that we used to talk it's a thermostat. You're setting the tone and you're saying, this is not acceptable in my house. Because if not, friend, then we just look like everybody else. It's so important. And I know this, is, this might be offensive, but even the language that we use, right? The culture should not inform our language. And we know those people, I'm sorry, but you know those people who like cuss and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. That's how you know a you're a thermostat. Because they know you don't use that language and they're like, oh, sorry, because it slipped, right? 
But it's like, if that's what we use, we can't just gauge and I'm going to talk one way in front of Grandma Liz and then I'm going to talk one way in front of Veronica and I'm going to talk one way in front of Amber. No, we should have that in our entire life. And I want to just do a side note to address this really briefly because when I came to the Lord, I had a filthy mouth and I was cussing like a sailor and I hung out with my older brother and that was just all I knew. And that was the first thing that the Lord convicted me. And he said, Maddie, how dare you honor me with your lips but then use that language? How can you sit and claim my name and speak my love but then you're going to talk like this and that took discipline and that took hard work but he immediately showed me you don't want to look like that because the bible says don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth the bible says you must rid yourself of filthy language and so i just want to do a side note on that because the world uses that and the world it makes it very common and we can easily fall into that or you can be a thermostat and say i'm not going to talk like you i don't want to look like that and not an us versus them mentality but my citizenship is in heaven and i have an obligation and a privilege to represent that kingdom of heaven so the culture should not inform our language it shouldn't inform our actions because friend you are called to set the tone you are called to speak life into dry bones you are called to encourage your brother or sister you're called to be the thermostat in every single room you walk to if people are gossiping to say hey man they're not here we're not going to dishonor them like that you need to take it to your brother or sister you have the opportunity to be the salt and light of the earth and walk in the freedom that christ has given you but we have to put off our old and be willing to put on the new identity and say, I'm different and I'm gonna choose to ignore the comfortable and what I'm used to because can I tell you, it's very uncomfortable to be in a room and to be like, oh my gosh, it's easy to just go along with what's happening. So, but Pastor Kelly and I were talking like silence is compliance too sometimes, right? So you need to be willing to be bold because that's the, the ability and the power that our Lord gives us. So I wanna ask you this, as a disciple of Jesus, which one are you? Right now, are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? And if you're a thermometer, which don't don't be upset, right? Just say, Lord, okay, now I'm willing to walk in that calling. You're calling me to be a thermostat. You're calling me to set the tone, and I'm going to say yes. So when you're in that room with people cussing, drinking, doing everything maybe your old self did, do you join in? Or are you going to be the person that causes them to think twice? Are you consistent with who you say you are as a Christian or a disciple of Jesus, living in a manner that is worthy of the gospel? Because a lot of us claim to know God, but we continuously deny him every single day with our actions. And it's not, it's, it's, my encouragement is you don't automatically know how to just, okay, I'm better, right? Okay, Lord, here's my life, and now I'm fixed. Like, that's not, like I said, it's been a decade of me working through a lot of this stuff. And that's why the Lord says in Philippians 2, 12, 13, Therefore, my beloved, as you, have, has, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And I think sometimes we think that, oh, you have to fear the Lord, and it's like a scary, he's this big God. And no, fear is like a reverent, such a deep, proud, like, worship and, like, respect for him and who he is, right? And so the Greek word to work out your feet, like, work out, means to bring to completion. So we can't just be saved living for a ticket to heaven. We need to continuously be working out our faith. We need to continue that sanctification, the process of making us holy. And it's a lifelong journey that's not going to happen until the Lord comes back for us. But it takes work. You just don't go from thermometer to thermostat like, and like that. It takes work. It takes, Lord, I want to I be closer to you bring me in deeper, edify my heart, right? Purify me. What, am, what is it that I'm doing that I'm not living in a way that's worthy of the gospel? 
And this is really important because it's, it's God's love and grace that allows us to do that. It's not just like Pastor Sam said, on our own strength, now we're good. It's a lot of the Lord's strength and the Lord's conviction and him helping you to tame your tongue and him helping you to stand boldly and firmly. And that's really key that it's him who's responsible for helping us in that because later on in, in uh, chapter 2, 14 through 16, it says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights of the world, holding fast to the word of life. And I think any of us can agree that our generation, it's pretty crooked, it's pretty twisted, it's pretty jacked up. But I'm going to be really honest, and I don't know how we're supposed to shine as lights of the world, right? Calling them to more when we look just like everybody else. It's very difficult when we blend in and we're doing the same exact things that the world is doing. And I don't want to be known as a worldly church here at Coin, right? And have you heard the saying, like, when in Rome, do as the Romans do? Like, you're just exactly like this and Philippi having their citizenship in Rome. Like, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. That means conforming to what culture is already doing, those thermometers. But remember that we're citizens of heaven. We're not citizens of Rome. So we're not to look like the Romans. We're not to talk like the Romans, to cuss, to have sex like the Romans, to drink like the Romans, to gossip like the Romans, to deal with, like, with conflict like the Romans. We are called to be citizens of heaven. And Paul says in Colossians 1.9 that he's praying and asking the people would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So again, as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And the thing that I think we need to understand is true wisdom and understanding from God would lead to a changed life. If we really understood what he was doing, we wouldn't be acting the same way. So if we are, we really need to take an inventory. Why is it that my BC days, my before Christ days, why am I the same person five years later? Well, I don't want to be an immature Christian my whole life, right? I want to grow. I want to be a better disciple. And in Ephesians 5, Paul says, therefore, be imitators of God. But to be an imitator of Christ, you have to actually know him. Not what that Instagram blog says, right? Not what even on a Sunday is just preached to you. You have to know him. You have to be in your word. You have to be in your scriptures. You have to be sitting in silence and solitude with him. You have to be fasting and looking to him for wisdom. Because just like the culture, if you see somebody and you want to be like them, like Brennan always talked about, like Kobe Bryant was like his all-time thing basketball. And if he wants to be like Kobe Bryant, he was going to watch his, his film. He was going to buy his shoes and dress like him. He's going to watch the practices. He's going to want to dress like him. He's going to do every single thing and watch every step because he's going to try to follow in those footsteps if he wants to imitate Kobe, right? Well, why aren't we doing the same thing with Christ? If we want to sit and follow in Christ's footsteps, why aren't we in our word? Why aren't we watching how Jesus loved? Why aren't we watching how Jesus forgave? Why aren't we watching how Jesus tended to the, the marginalized? We need to do the same exact thing, but we can't be imitators of Christ. We can't live as a citizen of heaven if we don't actually know him deeply. And that's what it means for true, like, Christ to be our rabbi. Is he your teacher? Is he actually leading? Is that who you're looking to for your advice? Or are you looking to your friend who may not be submitted to the Lord? Or are you looking to, again, those cute Instagram posts and the, the, the quotes that come up, and it's like, that's great advice. Like, what are you looking to? Who's your teacher? Because the world is discipling you daily. So do you want it to be that? Do you want it to be Netflix? Do you want it to be all that? Or do you want it to be the Lord and what the scriptures actually say? In our culture, we can't sit still and everything is a priority. And this is something I'm working on myself too because I just don't know how to not go on like, let's, what's next, what's next, what, what's next? But our culture, we can't sit down. Everything is urgent. Everything else is priority. And God should be too. He should be. And Dr. Dogtrum said, 
when he came to preach here a few months ago, how can we want to spend eternity with God when we can't even spend an hour with him today? So I'd even encourage you, look at, look at your daily schedule. When you wake up in the morning from when you rest your pillow on your head at night, if you took inventory of every single thing that you did throughout the day, how much time was allotted to God? Because I know even my life, I was like, oh my gosh, my kids and my job and my husband and trying to prep and meal prep and all these, how much time is actually allotted to God? Yikes, right? So when we go about our day and we desire to be that thermostat, we desire to be able to set the tone, we can't do that unless we've been abiding in Christ. Yeah. How, how can I do that? How can I have the grace? How can I have the boldness to step into his calling for me if I haven't even sat and prayed with him that morning, right? Every single thing, we have to be rooted in him because if not, we're not equipping ourselves. And if not, then again, where maybe I can set the tone, but maybe I'm gonna do it in a rude way. Maybe I'm not gonna do it with love. Maybe I'm not gonna do it with that grace. And that's why it's so important to actually be equipped and being abiding in the Lord. And a pastor named Christine Kane said this, and I thought it was so good. The devil is after your fruitfulness here on earth. So you can say I'm saved, right? I believe in the Lord and I'm going to heaven. But there's so much more that has to happen here, right? We want heaven coming down here on earth as it is in heaven. We want it to come down to the city of Chino. But the devil is after your fruitfulness here on earth. So if he can keep you busy, if he can keep you acting like a thermometer and acting like everybody else and looking like the world, he's going to stop your fruitfulness. He's going to stop the purpose that God has in your life. He's going to make you look like everybody else and hinder your calling because he wants to keep you busy on TikTok and Netflix. He wants to distract you so that you aren't, aren't doing what you need to, so that you're not in your scriptures. Because if, I mean, he tested the Lord with this. So how much more is he going to test us? And if we're not spending our time in this, I can't rely on my Netflix and me watching SWAT every night to, to be what sustains me. You know, and I'm preaching to myself. This, this message is for myself as well. We're being discipled, and we need to make sure that we're being discipled by the right thing. In Romans 12, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And the word conform means guided by. So we as a church, as, as little disciples of Jesus, right, we are called to live counterculturally, not guided by the culture. We're called to set the tone. So don't get swept up by the world's principles, its values, its entertainment, what it says is fun, what it says even looks good, right? Paul's saying, by God's mercy, please don't fall into that. But how do we know our mind? Our mind? By the scriptures. How do we be able to take those thoughts captive when I want to resort back to my old ways and I'm like, oh, I really want to go in on my sister right now. Uh, the Lord has to renew my mind. And he has to be like, oh, Maddie, remember, bridle your mouth. Like, just like a horse, you need to tame your tongue. He has to, you have to know the scriptures in order for that conviction and for the Holy Spirit to be able to work in those moments. But if you don't know that, how do we expect to be able to stand firm? We have to be in our word and renew our mind if we're going to live as citizens of heaven. And worship, you guys can come on up. At the end of the day, we're imitating something. So if it's not Christ, then what is it? And I know this can be harsh, but the scriptures are. And like I said, it's meant for edifying. The word is living. It is breathed out by God and is meant to edify, to give like correction, right? So we should take that correction because the Lord reproves whom he loves. The Lord loves you, so he doesn't want to keep you living and looking like the world. He says, no, you belong to this as a citizen of heaven. You belong to my kingdom. I have so many more plans and purpose for your life, and that's why we need to take this seriously. 
We have to be teachable and we want to grow. And so church, it's time for us to speak against complacency. It's time for the Lord to awaken our spirits and to say, I don't want to look like the world. I want to, I want to be a thermostat. I want to set the tone. I want to set the tone for my city. When we're walking into our workplaces, Brendan and I are teachers. And so if anything, you know how crazy the schools are right now. I have an opportunity every time I walk into that workplace knowing that there's not other Christians around me that I set the tone. I must look different. I must be a light. And that doesn't mean I need to tell them, oh, I'm in Christian and I'm here and I serve at my church. It means that my actions need to reflect that. It means they need to say, Maddie, why didn't you join in and talking badly about that teacher? Maddie, why didn't you, aren't you upset with this? Why aren't you complaining and negative? They even joke with me and they're like, oh my gosh, here you are with your positivity. But I'm like, I know what I'm called to right? I know what I'm called to represent. And so every single day, we have that opportunity to go in and set the tone in our workplaces, in our families who don't know the Lord, in our, even when we are outside the church hanging out with our friends, we have the opportunity to set the tone. So just like Paul wrote out of love and concern, it should be our desire, Coin Church, that we are imitators of Christ, that we now go out of this room and that the Lord's worked in us and we go set the tone, not known as looking out, out just like the world, but as mature disciples of Jesus. So take inventory. Are you known for being worldly and doing everything that the culture does? Because it's easier to sit back and take the road that has less resistance, right? Are you known for that? Or are you known for somebody that sets the tone, that calls people to more in a loving and an encouraging way? And you're like, wow, when I'm around them, I'm better. I'm, I know my husband does that with me. He calls me to be better because if you knew me at 19, uh, thank you for loving me. <laughs> you want to be around people who set the tone as hard as it is. And as Brennan said last week, you can't take offense because people, if they didn't love you, they'd leave you where you're at. If they weren't your true friend, they'd let you act the way you're acting. But if they really loved you and valued and also had reverence for the Lord, they're going to correct you. And so you need to be able, willing to like relinquish that offense too and say, okay, God, what are you trying to show me? Instead of me being offended and like, I can't believe they dare try to call me out and do you know what you did? It's like, wait a minute, what are you showing me, Lord? We need to be okay with people in those lives. Get around people that you wanna be like them, that are better and can call you to more and help you grow. Be with people who you are like, wow, that's a mentor. I wanna know the way you know the scriptures. I wanna know the way you pray. I want to know the joy you have, Grandma Liz. I need to hang around you. You want to be with people who set the tone for every single work, uh, every single moment. So my encouragement as you go throughout your week is to stand firm in what the Lord says and to set the tone. In such a culture that says do what everybody else does, live your truth, would you stand firm and live in a manner that is worthy of the gospel and remember who we represent? Remember who we say we are and who we're representing. And would we no longer claim we know God and continually deny him with our lips and our actions? Would we no longer go with the flow of culture? Would we be able to be in the world but not of it? I can be around people that don't know the Lord, but I'm not going to conform to it. Instead, I'm going to be the salt and light. Instead, I'm going to speak life to dry bones. And would our hearts and our conduct match that of the citizenship of heaven that we so are lucky to have the privilege of having? And again, I just want to like reiterate, we have that authority because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us and the fact that he's died on the cross. We sing those songs like, I have the authority that Christ has given me. You have the authority to change your, the trajectory of your life to say, I'm not going to continue doing this. Devil, I know you're after my fruitfulness, but I'm going to walk out of these doors and now I'm going to be the one that sets the tone. But you cannot do that without his authority. You need his guidance. You need his grace. You need his love. The way that you love, forgive others when they've wronged you, right? The kindness that you show, that's from the Lord. And we're called to live as a citizenship of heaven because he has so much more in store than just what the world has to offer. And he wants so much more for us as a church than to just look like everybody else.
And so I'm just going to pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word, which is like a double-edged sword and it's piercing. And I pray that it doesn't fall on deaf ears, Lord. I pray that it falls on good soil. I thank you for just your word and the, the way it edifies us, Jesus. Would we be drawn closer to you? Would we look more like you? Would we be imitators of Christ? In every single room we walk in, would we set the tone? And would you remind us that we are called to be an imitator of Christ, that we're called to live in a manner worthy of the gospel? And Lord, when we're in those spaces, would you give us the grace and the love and the boldness that we need to operate as citizens of heaven? Go with us and give us that conviction throughout the week and just be with us, Lord. We're grateful for you and for your love and for your forgiveness when we fall short in this. Everything that we do, would it honor and glorify you, Lord. In your precious name we pray.